0: Some potentially bad news for Chris Sale and Aaron Judge, but maybe some good news for Danny Santana on a busy day of spring training developments.
1: Like Duff and Taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. I have That's- not had the uh, three go throughs yet. It works great in a fantasy league. Three. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic.
0: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, March 5th. Alan Melker here with Derek Van Riper. And, uh, you know, when we started this show about a month ago, DVR, it was all Mookie bets all the time. I feel like this has turned into the Chris Sales Show. Uh, We have a an update slash not update. (laughs) So uh, Chris Sale, he did go for the MRI. Those results were checked out by uh, Dr. James Andrews. Now he's going for another opinion. And yet we do have a report from the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal that whatever is in that MRI suggests that Chris Sale is probably not going to undergo Tommy John surgery. So... It feels a bit cryptic to me, but what do you make out of all this, and do we need to update our uh, assessment of, of sales value from the discussion we had just one day ago?
1: Yeah, just looking at that Ken Rosenthal tweet, not expected to undergo Tommy John surgery at this point. So if we think about what that could mean, to me, that suggests that there is some sort of damage to the ECL. We know a lot of pitchers have small tears, like grade one sorts of tears in their elbows and they can actually pitch through it for years. I think Masahiro Tanaka is always the first example that sort of comes to my mind. So it, it doesn't seem like he's out of the woods in the long run whatsoever. And I think it just complicates what we are supposed to do with him as fantasy players. And we've talked about the terrible position the Red Sox are in, you know, trying to cover the, any innings that sale misses this season. But if you were drafting today, where do you take Chris sale? with the concern that there is some kind of injury lingering there, but he's not going under the knife right now.
0: I mean, it's one of these situations, uh, and uh, Michael Beller and I talked about uh, the, the situation with Blake Snell uh, a few episodes ago, and we were we were pretty much in agreement that we could just see ourselves kind of sitting there and letting somebody else take the chance on Blake Snell, even though it's again, nothing that's, you know, looks especially serious right now. So it's kind of the same thing with Chris sale that, you know, his ADP is still right around 10 or 11 among starting pitchers. But would I take him with the 20th is the 20th pitcher off the board, the 30th pitcher off the board with the idea that maybe he misses half the season or more. I mean, we really don't know, but it seems like that's within the realm of possibility. I, I can't even imagine what the discount is that I would need to have on him. I think probably outside the top 30.
1: Yeah, I think top 30 among pitchers is definitely a group that I would take everybody in my top 30 over Chris Sale right now. If if we're looking at it that way, Uh, if you look at just recent ADPs and I'm talking about the handful of drafts that have been completed since March 1st, the 30th pitcher off the board is right around the back of the top 100 overall. So if we're talking about a 12-team mixed league, that would put Chris Sale outside the first eight rounds. So you would need maybe that much of a discount before you start to even think about it. And even then, you know, are you really going to pass up on Sonny Gray or Mike Soroka, or maybe taking your first closer, if you don't have a closer yet, taking Taylor Rogers in that spot? Are you going to pass over all those guys to take a chance on Chris Sale giving you most of a season, knowing what we know right now.
0: And honestly, I can't see myself doing that. So I think probably I'm going deeper. Um, But I know for sure I'm not taking him before then. And yeah, probably, I mean, you know, when you put it in the measurement of rounds, that was really helpful because I'm thinking, nah, I can't see doing that in round eight, maybe like round 10. So I do think I would wait a little longer.
1: I mean, Shohei Otani's ADP in these March drafts, and again, we're only talking about 20 drafts, is 122. So he's the 45th pitcher, and he can be used as a utility player in this time where he's not available as a pitcher to begin the season. So you at least have that to fall back on with Otani. I think that's probably a tipping point for me. If Sale's still hanging around at that point in the draft, depending on the roster I've built so far, if I feel really good about the core that I have, if I haven't taken a lot of risk yet, maybe then I would do it. But that's again in a twelve-team league. That's after round ten. Before I'm willing to actually make that commitment. Yeah.
0: No. I think uh, you know I'm certainly in agreement there, and I would guess that a lot of people are. And you know, we'll we should know more later on Thursday uh, as to the specifics of Sales' injury and a timetable. So we could revise this whole discussion again on on the next episode. But as of right now, I'm I'm with you on the, on that. Uh, and you know, since we've already boomeranged back to Chris Sale, Chris Sale News. Let's do the same with Aaron Judge because he's a recurring topic here. Uh, he is undergoing more tests now. He is dealing with some pectoral discomfort. So we've got quite a bit of um, uh, ambiguity with both of these players. Uh, we could expect, the, or not expect the worst necessarily, but imagine the worst. So who are you worried about more or to put a different way, DVR, who would you discount more at this point, Sale or Aaron Judge?
1: I would discount Sale more than Judge, um, I think, because it's an arm injury for a pitcher. That's just the biggest red flag of all for me on the injury front. Aaron Judge has a pretty wide range in terms of where he's been selected in drafts over the last few days. Just in the NFBC leagues I was referring to before, the earliest he's been taken is pick 26. The latest Aaron Judge has been taken is pick 126. I'm absolutely in at that low-end pick at 126. I think you got to be closer to pick 70 or pick 80. Uh, the question is, you know, if they're looking at him for pectoral discomfort, are they looking for some kind of tear of the pectoral muscle? What kind of timetable would he be facing if there is, in fact, a tear? Kind of thinking through the most likely outcomes with his injury doesn't scare me quite as much as the doesn't need tommy john surgery at this time sort of designation that we have on sale so there's absolutely risk there with judge Uh, of the two i'm much more likely to draft judge at the discounted price than i have to draft sale right now
0: all right well let's stay on the uh the injury uh track here but with a couple of maladies that that don't seem anywhere near as serious, uh, potentially, uh, maybe worst-case scenario. It's it's not as bad as Sailor Judge. And I'm talking about Jordan Alvarez and A.J. Puck. Uh, Alvarez is going to sit for three or four days. Both of his knees are sore. Uh, A.J. Puck has been uh, diagnosed with a mild shoulder strain. So things that maybe just delay uh, these players returning to spring training by a, a matter of days, but also seems like the sort of thing that maybe winds up being worse. So I'll offer you the same comparison here. You compared Sale versus Judge. How about Alvarez versus Puck? Which one has you more concerned?
1: Same, same uh, sort of analysis here. It's Puck for me who has the greater concern because it's an arm injury. I think with Jordan Alvarez, it, it is more of a precautionary sounding injury at this point. Three to four days with soreness doesn't seem as bad. We're still three weeks away from opening day. So missing a few days right now, as long as he's back in the lineup by this time next week, I don't think we have a whole lot to worry about with Jordan Alvarez. I think with A.J. Puck, you know, as a guy who's had Tommy John surgery, having a different problem in his arm, that's definitely more of a concern. The A's are going to be understandably very careful with Puck and a lot of their young starters this season. Uh, So maybe they have to consider opening the season with him on the IL. And that's part of the way they're able to Limit his innings for the season as a whole, but I think of the two, Puck definitely gives me greater concern, even though it takes a much earlier pick to draft Jordan Alvarez. Yeah, uh,
0: I'm with you there. Uh, you know, there's another angle here to the puck injury as well. That they don't really have a, a ton of rotation depth right now, but one pitcher that's on the outside looking in is Chris Bassett, who had a pretty nice season last year. Do you think this is the sort of thing that maybe? Would make Bassett a little bit more relevant, maybe in a fifteen-team draft. It uh, just opens the window enough uh, for him, maybe, to get some innings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Bassett could be sort of the glue in this rotation. If Puck's missing time to begin the season, if they have to skip Jesus Lazardo a little bit you know, mid-season, maybe Bassett's the kind of guy that kind of flips back and forth between the rotation in the bullpen not totally unlike the way the dodgers use ross stripling i think that's a possibility for bassett this season so uh, in 15 team mixed leagues that's probably the threshold of ownership outside of streaming situations but i do think bassett's the winner uh, as a result of puck potentially missing some time
0: all right well let's uh, stay in the bay area and unfortunately uh some more serious sounding injury news tyler beatty has got a flexor strain and a ucl strain uh, in his pitching arm. And he is fortunately not expected to need surgery. Although, you know, we, we've seen the situations where that's the initial prognosis. And then the, you know, the pitcher eventually does have surgery. Um, not to say I have any reason to think that that's what's going to happen, but again, it's another one where, you know, we've got a, a pretty bad set of injuries here. The range of outcomes is a little ambiguous. Uh, BD I, I think was really getting a bit of hype this offseason. season, uh, you know, got some nice write ups, uh, wasn't necessarily getting looks in like 12 teamers, but seemed to be sort of a trendy sleeper in deeper leagues. But I think that, uh, you know, not only does this have an implication for him, but the Giants do have some pitching depth and I, in particular, this gets me a little bit more intrigued for Logan Webb. Is there anybody in that mix of uh, the, you know, six, seven, eight uh, pitchers uh, in the pecking order there that, uh, you, you know, you're more interested in now.
1: Uh, Tyson Ross might be a home streamer, depending on how things play out in his bid to grab a spot in that rotation. But I do think Logan Webb is the most interesting of the depth options from the jump. I think he makes sense to open the year as the number five starter. I liked him last season as a pickup because he handled himself really well at AA. A. There were strikeouts. There was a low walk rate. Did a good job keeping the ball in the park at Richmond as well. Uh, So I think there is something there with Logan Webb, probably more for 15-team mixed leagues and deeper uh, NL-only formats, especially his good sort of reserve pick or or dollar day sort of consideration. This also kind of gives a little boost to Drew Smiley. I mean, I think he was expected to open the season in the rotation anyway, but having one fewer option uh, there to compete for spots, that really gives Smiley the inside track to officially securing that number four starter spot.
0: Yeah, and that's great news for him because I obviously, as as anybody would, love the move uh, for him from Philadelphia to San Francisco, going from one extreme venue to a much better extreme, and you know showed some promising signs during that time with the Phillies. Really, much much better. Not it couldn't have been as bad or worse than he was with the Rangers, but really you know much better. Um, you know, and changed up the pitch mix a bit uh, a bit as well. So uh, you know, good point there in terms of uh, smiley and. Let's talk about some good news because this is a lot of kind of down, you know, news, bummer news about uh, a bunch of players. But Danny Santana is somebody who I've been looking for a reason to be reassured. And it isn't just about playing time for him. I mean, he had a very up and down season, particularly down towards the last couple of months of the season. But it doesn't look like at least his playing time is going to be secured. He is going to get most of the playing time in center field, at least initially in the, in the regular season. So good news for him. Probably not such good news for Nick Solak, who was basically getting a tryout to be the regular center fielder. So does this change uh, the stock uh, in terms of uh, either Santana or Sol- Solak?
1: Yeah, it maybe stabilizes Santana a little bit. I think for a player who showed a lot of power and speed last year, he's still a guy that people look at with a lot of skepticism because the strikeout rate was just a tick below 30%. And he's really never been great at drawing walks. Uh, For his career, he's under a 5% walk rate over parts of, of six seasons now in the big leagues. So I think it's a small bump up for Santana. I think Solak playing center field during spring training was more of a can he do this in the season if we need him to? Let's make you know, the regular season opportunity he gets there uh, something he's already done before. Let, let's not like let that be the first time he's played the position in a big league game. So I, I think that was probably more in line with what they were thinking with Nick Solak. He can move around to multiple infield spots. I think Solak versus Rudit Odor is kind of a, a job battle that if it's not actively taking place right now, it's going to passively occur over the first month or so of the season where if Odor is struggling in a big way and just whiffing uncontrollably and not producing enough, I think Solak could end up being the primary second baseman in Texas and Odor could be the odd man out.
0: I would actually put that at about a 75% chance. I just, unless Odor somehow pulls it together in a way that he hasn't pulled it together in any of the last three seasons. Um, I don't see how he would be able to withstand that challenge.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a more natural position for Nick Solak. I think uh, his arm is kind of average, so you don't really want to put him in the outfield. Second base is where he'd profile best anyway. Uh, So that's where I kind of see him fitting in. Maybe they move him around a lot to begin the season. And you know, in leagues that have low thresholds for qualifying at new positions during the season, Solak might be able to pick up two or three positions even though he begins the season as a utility only option in a lot of leagues
0: yeah, well that'll be a fun one to watch and that'll obviously be beyond uh spring training uh let's go on to our featured read of the day this one from Eno saris he's going to pop up here you know more than just once in a while because everything he puts out is uh, is terrific and the latest one this one was really uh particularly interesting for me DVR it's what's more important for a pitcher command or stuff and I feel like I'm constantly championing the pitchers who have command not necessarily the stuff because I just think that uh you know the Zach Davies type uh the Chase Anderson type Chase Anderson was actually somebody who was featured in Eno's piece I just think that they get sold short and you know yeah they're not going to have the value of uh you know a Noah Syndergaard but uh you know, they they can be a bargain. They can you know be somebody that can give you value for very little cost. So I was glad to see uh, you know, kind of uh, take take the mantle uh, for that argument. And it's just a really interesting piece with uh, some some really thoughtful research in there. Have you had a chance to check that out?
1: Yeah, I've talked to him about the piece a little bit actually uh, on the Rates and Barrels podcast, and over the weekend while I was at First Pitch Florida. And uh, one of the key things for me is slider command. He writes about that in the piece. There's a really interesting table in there with some names that you wouldn't necessarily expect to be as high on that list as they are. So some potential deep sleepers in Eno's article.
0: Yeah, so do check that out. And uh, do check us out when we come back. But uh, for this episode, we are wrapping it up. So if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash and 15 And everything that we do is included with a subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Derek Van Riper. I'm Al Melkier, we will be back with more Fantasy Baseball 15 on Friday.